Thanks for listening to the Refuel Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for a new episode. So we've been doing this Slaying Dragons series with our friend who we have not named yet. Um, we've been talking about Slaying Dragons. The first week we talked about Slaying Temptation. The second week we talked about Slaying the Enemy. Um, the Enemy was a three-headed monster. Anybody remember the three heads of the monster? The world, the flesh, and Satan. You guys are ballers. You guys are ballers. So tonight we're talking about slaying temptation. And remember when I say, when I, I talked about this last week, when I'm talking about slaying temptation, I'm not talking about the way you white girls get on Instagram and you're like, yeah, baby, slay. You know, we're talking about, we're talking about killing, you know. So when you're telling your friend slay, you don't mean kill, right? At least I don't think you do. So tonight we're going to talk about slaying temptation. Um, you may feel like temptation is all around you. Maybe you don't, and that's a problem too. But the, the big truth we're going to learn, I've got a slide for it, Broger. The big truth we're going to learn tonight that temptation is unavoidable, but giving in is optional. Um, you can thank Wyatt for getting us a screen that we can all see tonight. Um, our, our little stage set blocked the screen, so we've got this temporary TV. Um, so temptation is unavoidable. But giving in is optional, and the scripture we're going to talk about tonight is 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Um, it's 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and, and kind of read along with me. Um, it's verses 1 through 13, so that's kind of like a longer passage for us to read, uh, but you really have to read it to understand what's going on here. So let's pray real quick together that God blesses the reading of his word, and we'll talk about this. 1 Corinthians 10. For I don't want, um, let's pray first. Father, thank you so much that we can gather together and read from your word. I pray that you'll bless our time together. I pray that as we, um, as we look at a, a subject that um, not all of us like to admit that we struggle with, but honestly, we really do, um, I pray that you'll give us transparency. I pray that you'll give us honesty. Um, I pray that as we go toe-to-toe with this dragon of temptation, God, that you will give us um, the confidence in knowing that we don't fight it alone, that you're by our side. In Jesus' name, amen. So 1 Corinthians chapter 10, let's, let's, let's read it. Um, here's what it says. I don't want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud and that they all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into, into Moses in the cloud in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them. Their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. That's positive and encouraging. Now, these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. Don't be idolaters as some of them were. As it's written, the people sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. We should not commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one, in one day, 23,000 of them died. We should not test Christ as some of them did and were killed by snakes. Ouch. And do not grumble as some of them did. They were killed by the destroying angel. Ouch. These things happened as an example and were written down as warnings for us on whom the culmination of the ages has come. So if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has overtaken you except that which is common to mankind and God is faithful. He will not let you, to be, te- let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but when you're tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. So temptation, I think we all kind of know what it is, but the question I want you to think about is, is it something I struggle with? The first thing I, want, I think we need to see, by the way, 
I'm going to rush to the application point because they're all F words. And you know me and my F words. So I'm going to work through this. We're going to make a beeline to my F words, okay? But the first thing that we kind of see as we read this is I'm not, when I say I, this is something you can say too, I'm not immune to temptation. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd love to know who's fir- who was the first one to get the idea. Let's take all the babies in our nation and let's stick needles into them and let's inject them with a, a form of a disease and maybe they'll beat the disease and they'll become immune to the disease. Isn't it interesting that when you get your immunizations, um, you get them when you're like two years old and then when you're 11 years old, you get your boosters. And what they do is they stick a needle in you. Sorry, Wyatt. Wyatt doesn't like needles and blood. They stick a needle in you, and with that syringe, they give you just enough of the, um, of the virus or of the disease that your body builds up an immunity to it. Well, that works for polio, and that works for all the other weird stuff you can get, measles and mumps and rubella and all that stuff. It doesn't work with temptation. Some of us think that we're immune to temptation, um, maybe because mom and dad have always gone to church. Uh, maybe because of all the things you've done for God, you think you're immune to this monster of temptation. Well, the writer of Corinthians, Paul, God inspired him to say, hey, listen, you're not immune to this. You are not immune to this. He gives this list. If you look at the beginning, he's talking about the children of Israel. He's talking about this nation of Israel that was on this journey from Egypt um, to the, their promised land in Israel. And look what he says. He says, they were all under the cloud, which was the presence of God. They all passed through the sea. That was salvation, deliverance of God. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud. <laughs> Maybe they, the Bible like foresaw iCloud or like the cloud because it talks about the cloud a lot. They all ate the same spiritual food. So they were all blessed by God, these people of Israel. They, wouldn't it be cool if like you could see God? Like we know that God is with us. Sometimes we think we see him in events. Wouldn't it be incredible if, like, you looked up and there was this, like, huge black, like, cloud, and you're like, okay, that's God. So if I want to know where God is, all I have to do is look up, and there he is. If I want to know where God's going, all I got to do is follow the cloud. Israel had the presence of God leading them through the desert. And this is what this verse says. It says they all had this, verse 5, but God was not pleased with most of them. Israel literally had God leading them everywhere, and they could see God and most of them gave in to temptation. And in two times in this passage, it says this. Look in verse 6. It says, these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts and minds on evil things as they did. Verse 11, it says, these things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the culmination of ages has come. So this is what it's saying. Hey, just because, just because you're a Christian and you have the Holy Spirit living inside you, um, just because you go to church a lot, just because you listen to me preach or teach and pastor preach and you go to Bible study and you read your Bible every day, don't think that you're immune to temptation because Israel was tempted, they failed. And then in verse 11 it says, you got to be careful because on you it's the culmination of the ages has come. You realize every day that you live is a day closer to the day Jesus is going to return. You know what Jesus said in Matthew? He said the spiritual warfare as his coming approaches is going to intensify. So the spiritual warfare, we talked about it last week, the flesh versus the spirit, and Satan versus you, and the world pushing on in on you is more intense today than it was during the time of Israel 3,000 years ago. And if they gave in to temptation lesser when the pressure was less, don't you think we may give in to temptation or we're likely to give in to the temptation if the pressure is more? And then 
in verse 12, just in case you were wondering what it really thinks, this is actually the point of the passage. Most people think, or a lot of people read it and think that verse 13 is the point of the passage, verse 12 is the point of the passage, and this is what it says. It says, so if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Here's the Matt McClay definitely not inspired translation of this. You think your poop don't stink, but I'm smelling something. You following me now? You're riding on your high horse. You think you're better than everybody else. You, know, you think you're like, attain this elite status of Christianity. But look what it says. It says, if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Be careful that you don't fall. If you heard we were talking about temptation and you automatically checked out, that's a problem. If you're not worried about temptation in your life, I'm worried about you. Because nobody is immune to the temptation. The children of Israel were not immune to temptation. Jesus was tempted. So you better believe you're going to be tempted. It happens to every person. Um, The next thing that we learn is that my heart is the source of, of, of my temptation. Temptation begins in my heart. Um, you know the song, listen to your heart when she's calling to you, or however it goes. Yeah, it's an 80s song. If you like the 80s, yeah, you may have heard it. Dylan has heard it, I'm sure. Um, but, um, but we've got this idea that, oh, I should just follow my heart, you know. How many of you have followed your heart into the most ridiculous relationship you've ever been in, and you're like, this guy's a loser. This guy's like a slug that crawls across the ground and just leaves this like seepage behind him. How in the world did I ever fall for this guy? It's because you listen to your heart as it was calling to you. So this illustration or this cartoon kind of, um, I think, characterizes it. And this is kind of like, you know, the, um, on Elf, when he's like, I'm in love, I'm in love, and I don't care who knows it. You know, that's your heart, and then the brain is saying, you're embarrassing yourself. Right? So maybe, maybe it's not necessarily a romantic relationship, but your heart was set on something, and then you came back, and you look back, and you realize that was the stupidest thing I ever did. Why am I so hard on, why am I so hard on the heart? Verse, look at verse 6. It says, these things occurred, talking about the talking about Israel and talking about how they were led astray. These things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. That is how temptation begins. Um, You don't have to turn there, but I'm going to read from James chapter 1, verse 14. It says, each person is tempted when they're dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. Then after their desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. So the temptation starts from within us. Satan is so good. You know, like how you're good at pushing your parents' buttons and getting your parents to freak out and blow up. Satan is really good at pushing your buttons because he knows exactly what area of temptation you're going to fall in. What Exactly what area your heart just goes a million miles an hour to and your mind's like trying to reel it in but it can't reel it in. Satan knows and he will take advantage of that. So temptation begins in my heart. Isaiah 29, um, talking about the people of Israel who kept falling away from God and falling away from God, this is the way he summarized these people. He said, these people honor me from their lips, with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Does that, like, not summarize a lot of Christians that you know or a lot of people who say they're Christians? They honor God with their lips. They say all, you you know, they talk a good game, but what's going on inside here is not Christ honoring. 
and then it eventually works its way into, into their lives. Religious ceremonies don't guard me from temptation. I mean, going to church is important, and it can be a good a, a building block in your life, but it's not going to protect you from temptation. Drifting away from God, you know, most people we think drifting away from God means, you know, when I go into Moab, the, the Moab circle in homecoming. You know, you know, when I enter the circle, you know, and I have underwear thrown at me or whatever, whatever happens, you know, when I enter the circle, that's when I've fallen away from God. And I, yeah, no, that happened a long time ago. That probably happened, um, you know, before you said yes to the date. It happened before you said yes to the dress. It happened when you started being more concerned about the way that you were perceived than whether or not you were in a relationship with God. It starts with the heart. It starts with the heart. Um, your heart is to be led, not followed. If you don't get anything from tonight, get that. Like, please understand. Your heart is to be led, not followed. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 9 says that the default set, you know how you can set on your computer like the default settings? The default setting of your heart is this, deceitful and wicked. Listen to your heart because it's deceitful and wicked. You know, they don't, they don't put that in the song, right? So, so Proverbs 20, verse 423 says, the heart is the wellspring of life and that everything you do flows from it. So if your heart is not for God, the things you do are not gonna be for God. If your heart is not grounded in Christ, you're gonna give in to temptation and be drawn away from Christ. It starts with the heart. So I gotta ask you tonight, how's your heart? How's your heart? I'm not asking how many beats per minute. I am... Um, see how many beats per, I'm going 112 beats per minute right now. That's actually kind of elevated. Maybe I should see a doctor about that. Um, but how, how is your heart tonight, spiritually? Let me ask you some questions. Ask yourself this, where's your heart going? Do I love God more tonight than ever before? Am I giving my heart away to others instead of God? When's the last time I heard God's voice? Who or what is the greatest object of my affection? How's your heart? You show me where your heart is, I'll show you how easily you'll give in to temptation. Uh, the next thing we learn is that I'm not alone in the struggle. Uh, it's very interesting. This Now, can you guys all make a promise to me? Because I had to really practice saying this word without laughing. Okay. Um, but there's this phrase in here uh, in verse 13. It says, no temptation has overtaken you except that which is common to mankind. That phrase, that you know, common to mankind, is all one Greek word, and it's pronounced anthropinos. I saw some of you laugh. Um, that's what it's pronounced, and what that means, you ever heard of the class anthropology? What does that mean? The study of people. It's the study of people. Anthropos in Greek means people, so what this verse says is no temptation's overtaking you except human temptation. Just like we talked about, it starts in here, and it says, that which is common to man. Can I tell you, Satan's been using the same old tricks for thousands and thousands of years, and people been, people been buying into them for thousands of years. You know, it's, it's like a guy that's a good fisher. You, how many of y'all like to fish? You're like a good Luke Bryan boy hunting fish and loving every day? That's a prayer that a country boy prays. You know, when you find a good combo when you're fishing, you don't, you don't, you don't depart from that combo. When I'm night fishing for catfish, I put a big old chicken liver on that treble hook, throw it in there, build me a little bonfire, and I wait for the tug. You know? And when you find something that works, you stick with it. Guess what? Satan found some things that work with people, 
and he sticks with it. And if you look in these, and if you look at verses 7 through 10, it tells us exactly the way Satan works, exactly the buttons he pushes to try to tempt us. Here's the first one. Um, idolatry. Verse 7, it says, don't be idolaters. As it was written, people sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. He's referring to an exodus. Moses is up on the mountain getting the law from God. The people are like, oh, I don't know where Moses went. I guess we better worship another God now. They start worshiping Baal. They, give, they, they, melt, they get all their jewelry, melt it, and build a calf, an idol. They worship it, and they have this huge drunken, sex-filled party to worship their God. It all started when they said, let's make a God for ourselves. So you may want to think about this. Maybe you want to write this down. Wrong belief leads to wrong behaviors. So idolatry. Satan knows if, if he can just get you to put something above God, he can get you to fall. The next one we see, it's in verse 8. It says, we should not commit sexual immorality. Um, it, says, um, it says, in one day, 23,000 of them died. You want to know what God thinks about uh, sexual immorality? Um, Pastor talked about this on um, Sunday night. These people, these Israelites, 20, a lot of them, right? Uh, <laughs> it says 23,000 Israelite men go to Moab. I'm not talking about homecoming now. I'm talking about actual Moab. They go have immoral sexual relations with these women. God's like, no, you're not going to do that and say you're, say you're mine. He kills them dead. That's pretty intense, isn't it? But, you know, Satan has been using the temptation of sexual immorality for thousands and thousands of years. And you turn on the TV every day, and you see someone who's fallen into that temptation. You see this guy in Hollywood who, you know, he, he's abused however many women sexually, and everybody's turned the blind eye to it because they're all concerned about money. Satan's been using that all the time. The next one we see is um, in verse 9, it says, we should not test Christ. That has to do with doubt. It says that some of them did and were killed by snakes. When we doubt God's goodness, we stop living for God's glory. The next one, it says, um, and do not grumble as some of them did, and they were killed by an angel. Um, these people grumbled against Moses and Aaron. They talked bad about Moses. You want to know what think God thinks about gossip and what God thinks about slandering others? Just look at this story. And Satan knows one of the easiest ways to get into our life is if he finds us to be frustrated with someone, he just, just like sliding into your DMs, he just slides into your life, and it's like, hey, you know, you need to start talking bad about this person, and it's so easy. It just like rolls off our tongue, doesn't it? These are some points that Satan tempts us. There's some points that Satan tempts us, and all these have intensified and they will continue to do until Jesus comes. So let's get to the positive part. We've talked about, you know, we've talked about, you know, everybody's, everybody gets tempted, nobody's immune, um, but we're not alone. Here's the good news. There is victory. I can find victory over temptation, and you see it here in um, verse 13. It says, no temptation is overtaking you except that which is common to man, and God is faithful and will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. You know what's so great about I don't say great about temptation, but this is what's great about our God is that Satan cannot tempt us without God's permission. We see this in the book of Job. Satan's like you know, sleazily walking into heaven. It's like, God, nobody's certain. You, nobody loves you. He's, he, Satan's an accuser. He accuses us. He even accuses God. He says, nobody loves you. Nobody serves you. And God's like, what about old Job over there? He's a pretty upright man. And Satan's like, yeah, let me tempt him. Let me test him. 
and he begs God to let him test him, and he can only test as much as God lets him. So what we know is the tempt, the, think about the most difficult thing you've ever been tempted with. That was not out of God's control. Yeah, God didn't say, oh, no, I didn't know they were going to be at that party. It's like, oh, shoot, oh, no, I didn't know that that person was going to totally mess them up and that they were going to be tempted to slander them. God knows exactly what's going on. God is always in control. You know, without Jesus, we could never beat temptation because he's the one that beat our sin nature so we can find victory in that way. Look at the word let. He says he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. God knows your limits and will not allow Satan to tempt you beyond your limits. There is a way out. There is an escape hatch, and that's what we're going to talk about. Let's get to our F words, because we only got a couple more minutes. Go to the first F. We got four F words. You want victory over temptation? This is the victory over temptation. The first is find the escape hatch. Find the escape hatch. I've always wanted, this may sound bad, but you know, when we drive to soccer games and school buses and stuff, I've always, and even in airplanes, I've always wanted to get in an accident, especially in airplanes. I've always wanted, not an accident that's going to kill me, but an accident to where, like, the plane is going to, like, skid down the runway in a fiery blaze, and they have to open those escape hatches with the little slides. Have you ever seen people going down the slides one day, maybe, hopefully not, like, maybe on a mission trip or something we'll get to do this. Maybe not. Don't want to scare you. (laughs) But I just want to slide down one of those slides, because I think those escape hatches are just so cool. But you know, God builds an escape hatch into every temptation that you face. It says he will, um, he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, verse 13. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Find an escape hatch. Find an escape hatch. Yeah, if you show me what you're tempted with, you, know, you show me your porn temptation, I'll show you an escape hatch. You show me your temptation to totally rip your parents, I'll show you an escape hatch. you got to look for it, though. Most of us don't want to see the escape hatch, I think. Most of us are so twerked up with anger at whoever it is we're ready to rip, we don't want an escape hatch. We want to let people have it. Find the escape hatch, because it's there. It's there. The next one, flee immediately. Think about... um, Joseph, when he was tempted by Potiphar's wife to sleep with her, did Joseph try to reason with her? Did he try to say, now listen, if we do this, you know, your husband's going to be mad, and I may lose my job. No, he left. He left so quickly, she was like holding his robe. He left without his robe. That's how quick he got out. You're not initially going to want to get out. When we're tempted, that's part of temptation, but you've got to get out. Yeah, I was looking into another thing I want to do. We're talking about all this dangerous stuff. I want to jump out of a plane sometime. I'd love to go skydiving. I think it'd be so fun. So I was like, well, I was looking at this. I was like, you know, how, how, how far down do you have, can you be before, like, you pass the point of no return where your parachute can't open? They say it's between 600 and 1,200 feet. So, like, if you get down to, like, 600 feet, 500 feet, sorry, because you need that much time for your chute to fully open and for you to, like, gracefully make it down to safety. So even with parachutes, there's a point in no return to where the chute's not going to open. Some of us, we try to keep the temptation around just as long as we can. Like, like, like I'll never go out with a girl this pretty again, and I, 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 know, she, you know, I, I know she's trying to get, gonna get me to compromise myself, and I need to just cut it off, but I'm never going to have a girl this pretty want to go out with me again, so I'm just going to go as long as I can until I absolutely have to say no. At some point... 
That parachute is going to be no good. That way of escape is going to close, so flee immediately. The next one's fight back, um, because honestly, a lot of times we don't want to fight back. Um, James says, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. We learned last week that Satan only retreats from active resistance. I struggle which passage to, to, to teach from about temptation, but in Matthew, Jesus is tempted by Satan. You want to know how Jesus fights back? He fights back with this. He quotes Bible to Satan. He claims the promises of God to Satan. If you don't know this, you will not be equipped to fight back. And then the final one is flood your life with the promises of God. For every temptation, there's a promise of God to counteract it. The temptation to go out with the wrong person, even though you know they're going to lead you away from God. The temptation is, if I don't go out with this person, I'm going to be lonely for the rest of my life. The promise that God makes is, I will never leave you or forsake you, and I have a plan for your life, and it's so good that you don't have to say no to me and yes to something that's not good for that plan. Flood your life with promises. Yet, I think one of the things sometimes I struggle with is anger. You know, we want to rip someone up. We want to yell at someone because we think if, if we don't tell them how stupid they are, ain't nobody going to tell them how stupid they are. If we don't tell them how much they hurt us or they hurt somebody else, no one will tell them. Think about the promise that God says, vengeance is mine. Rest in knowing that, you know, yeah, you may rip them and it'll actually probably cause you to feel even more angry after you do that. Venting never really vents. It just creates more pressure. Um, God says, vengeance is mine. So think about some of these promises. Cling to the promises of God. Flood your life with these promises and it'll allow you to beat temptation. Temptation, this is, if you don't remember anything else, Remember this, temptation is unavoidable. You're going to have it. If you think you're not struggling with temptation, I'm concerned about you. But temptation is unavoidable, but giving in is optional. You can defeat temptation because Jesus defeated sin on the cross. You can slay this dragon because Jesus slayed Satan. Temptation is unavoidable, but giving in is optional. So I'm going to pray for you guys. As I pray, I want you... Um, not to really worry about who's around you. Um, I want you to just kind of, I know a lot of people say, I don't know why, but draw a circle around yourself. You go ahead and bow your head, close your eyes. I just want you to think about the temptation that you're struggling with. It's like the dog at your heels that keeps snapping at you. It's the voice in your ear that just is always there. What is the thing that you are tempted to do the most that dishonors God? Tonight, what I want you to do as I pray, I just want you to pray that God gives you strength, that God gives you victory over that, that God reveals to you the escape hatch from that temptation. Um, so as I pray for you guys, um, I want you to pray for yourselves. So let's pray. Um, Father, I pray that we will live in victory. Um, Satan's always been doing this. He's always been trying to get us to stumble. And more times than we would want to admit we have stumbled. God, thank you for your forgiveness and thank you for your grace and thank you for your second and third and fourth and fifth chances. And Father, I pray tonight that we will learn how to stand against Satan and his schemes. Uh, that we will learn how to not give in to temptation and how to live in victory over that. So I pray for each person. I don't know what the specific temptations are that we're all struggling with. But God, you do. They do. So I pray that as you fill them up, they will be strong to stand against Satan. In Jesus' name.
Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Refuel Podcast. If you have any questions or would like to review the notes from this podcast, be sure to download the Refuel app from the App Store on any mobile device.